it could be that their new addiction is to turn on women. When we're feeling powerless, that's a great way to feel powerful is to come against somebody who's seemingly doing something wrong. Welcome to Coffee with a Couple Cure, where we share practical tips for your relationship before you finish your first cup. Here's Jay and Lori Pyatt. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Coffee with a Couple Cure. I am Lori. And I'm Jay. In this episode, we'll be covering major pitfalls when it comes to the 12 steps and the 12 step groups. If you're wanting to know about common pitfalls, then watch the episode previous to this. Mm. Otherwise, we will just dive right in. Yeah. One thing I do want to, to point out in the world of 12 step, if you go to a sex addicts group, some of those groups allow masturbation to continue. They don't, they don't call it out as a slip or a stumble, which uh, let's talk brain science later, but there's many reasons why I think masturbation is unhealthy to continue. For a sex addict. For a sex addict. And it's also potentially unhealthy for the relationship if the spouse doesn't know the status mm -hmm. of that because mm -hmm. most of the time the spouse is thinking, okay, he's given up porn and masturbation. And when they find out later, oh no, there's that's totally okay within the group. That does not go well for the guy. Mm -hmm. You know, that does not go well for the addict. So be very clear that some of those groups don't discourage masturbation. And um, again, I, I feel like it's problematic for addicts to continue. And your spouse is probably going to be against it as well. Right. Another major pitfall are co-ed groups, especially when it comes to sex addiction. Mm. I would be careful of co-ed groups simply because the natural wiring of the people who show up, um, even just knowing they're there, mm -hmm. can get your mind going mm. in, in certain directions. And it can definitely get your spouse's mind going right yeah yeah it's it's uh, a lot of the alcoholics anonymous groups they are open to men and women they don't they don't set those boundaries um you can find men's only groups but you have to go looking celebrate recovery depending on how it's set up can be problematic as well because they do a they do a service ahead of time that is intermingled men and women. Mm -hmm. um, not that women are the enemy or anything like that, but again, managing your own sobriety is about knowing what environments are healthy for me and what environments are not. Right, right. I remember even the CR that we went to, there was a few videos that they played that you're like, oh, because you know? yeah. <laughs> of the singer or um, people in the videos. Right. So. Not that they do co-ed groups in CR, but they do a mixed, like, big group ahead of time. Yeah, like worship. They might even yeah. eat to have a meal together beforehand. Right. The, the part that I would be the most concerned about is when you're vulnerably sharing in a group and one of those people is, is a person that, that potentially you're creating an emotional space for connection with someone who's not your spouse. Mm -hmm. So. Or, I mean, I guess this could um, be an issue with uh, same-sex attractions as well. So just be real with yourself. You know what you can handle, and, and you also know what kind of appeals to you. So just, just be real. 
if you're in a 12-step group, for you, it's about your sobriety, not necessarily what your wife did wrong. Another thing that's I think is kind of an issue in 12-step is talking about all the stuff your wife is doing wrong. Now, I get that there's a place to say, this is the event, this is what happened. But if you're there to get support to say, oh, we all agree that your wife is in the wrong, then you're definitely there looking for a good old boy network or getting your ears tickled, as opposed to uh, a bunch of guys that say, dude, this is your recovery and you screwed up, so you need to go make it right, which would be the preferable way for them to re you know, respond. Mm -hmm. Trust me, some groups have members in them that are very willing to tell you your wife is wrong or she's crazy or those sorts of things. And if you don't remember that, it could be that their new addiction is to turn on women. I don't know. I mean, there is the, the um, there is a section of society that likes to be cruel to women. <laughs> and when we're feeling powerless, that's a great way to feel powerful is to uh, come against somebody who's seemingly doing something wrong. So, right. Right. So just be careful of that. Another probably major pitfall if the guy isn't doing it for himself, but just the relationship or just the wife. At that point, I mean, it's it's great that he wants to, you know, die to himself that way. Yet she probably will be wondering, is this real? Is he just doing this for me? That sort of thing. Right. And a lot of people come into 12 steps, uh, especially AA and, and Narcotics Anonymous uh, under court order, mm -hmm. and they eventually get to where they want sobriety for themselves. But there's a transition period, and that can be a little problematic. And it's one thing for them to resent the court system and the police and all of that. It's different to have them resent their wife for having sent them to a 12-step program. Um, not typical that I get too many guys in my experience to go that way, but I'm I'm sure it happens. Mm -hmm. One thing for spouses to look for is what does uh, you know taking all of this seriously look like? It starts to look like continued effort, continued doing the steps. The guy knowing a lot is writing on it. What the big book says is. Uh, before we jump into the 12 steps, it says when you're willing to go to any length to get it. You know, if, if you want what we have and you're willing to go to any length to get it, mm -hmm. then here are the steps that we took. Any length is, you know, do I give up my phone? Do I let somebody talk to my wife and tell her everything I've told him? You know, there's a number of things where I need to let go of my image. I may need to tell my boss, hey, boss, uh, I need to do some things different on my computer. Can we get, you know, some software installed, that kind of thing. Um, and those are not easy, but if you can do them, then, you know, number one, it's good for your own sobriety. And number two, it's good in rebuilding trust because your spouse is seeing somebody who's willing to um, really make significant changes for their benefit mm -hmm. or for their own yeah you know. this is a major pitfall i think that 
most Christians, I believe, struggle with. When I walked into my first 12-step meeting and they said, you know, we, we um, turned our will over to God, uh, our will and our lives over to God as we understood him. In the back of my mind, the little arrogant addict in me said, I know who my higher power is, that's Jesus, and I don't need to worry about that. I've already done all of my surrendering and identifying who God is. And so the first three steps, which are all about establishing my powerlessness, my surrendering to a higher power, and turning over my will in my life, I think a lot of Christians gloss over. I think they walk into it and say, well, I've already taken care of all of that. And especially for someone like me, who while he was in active addiction, felt like he was a, a practicing Christian, I, you know, I really was struggling with my relationship with God. I told God what his will for me should be. And as a addicted, quote unquote, Christian man, that was sometimes my relationship with God. That's not necessarily a healthy place to be when you need to surrender your will on a daily basis. So for Christians, you know, my desire for you is for you to go through those first three steps and really, really reconnect with God because when you're living in self-will and not listening to God and kind of telling God what his will should be, you're really putting yourself on a collision course with a lot of problems further down the road. Another thing to be careful of, and this is another major pitfall, be careful of adopting the group mindset, mm -hmm. the group policies, the group rules, if you know they violate your own, or if you know they violate the relationship um, agreements that you guys have come up with. I've seen it happen a few times where the addict will go, but the group says this, yeah, but you and I discussed something completely different. And even you at the beginning were saying, your rules, your own internal rules were different than what the group says is okay. One major pitfall, especially for Christians, is replacing God's word with 12-step principles. Again, we have to watch out for wanting our ears to be tickled, wanting our flesh to be catered to. So a watered-down version of what you know to be the thing you need to do Whereas a stronger version might be God's word. If you're falling back on the easier version, just be aware that you might be on that slippery slope. The 12 steps are based on spiritual principles, but they are not from the Bible. And so there is a place to make sure that your particular program is lining up with that. One major pitfall is applying the 12 steps to trauma. The 12 steps is about addiction that are harmful, harmful to us, not about uh, things that are healthy for us. Relationship is healthy. Stable marriages are healthy. Trauma is not something we choose to go through. I always liken it to feeling like you're being held underwater. 
I'm going to fight. You know, I'm kind of addicted to oxygen. It's a good thing to be able to breathe. I don't need a 12-step group for wanting to breathe. And the, the reason why it's a major pitfall is because a lot of guys go to the 12-step groups thinking this applies to everything. Mm -hmm. You know, they might not even know about betrayal trauma yet. And then they come home and apply this to their wives saying, you're making me feel uncomfortable by wanting to talk about this. Therefore, you must be doing something wrong. You need to go through the 12 steps yourself. Whereas trauma takes a much, much different healing uh, model that uh, basically... Uh, avoids calling her wrong, yet gets her to a really healthy place. Mm -hmm. So one absolute major pitfall is to try to apply the 12 steps to trauma right. or betrayal trauma. Right. In fact, the last CR 12-step group that we went to, me and another girl got together and she learned a lot about general trauma and I learned about betrayal trauma. And so we went to leaders saying, we think a lot of these women have been traumatized. Consider putting together a trauma group. And that group looked so different than the rest of the 12-step the groups. Mm -hmm. So consider that. If you are in a 12-step group, consider asking if there can be a trauma group as well. Right. Right. Not not everybody going to uh, an Essanon. I think they might be called the Sex Addicts Anonymous, Essanon. Mm -hmm. Some of them might be traumatized worse right. by the 12 steps. Right. There is a good chapter in the big book uh, written to wives. Um, and yet it does have some problematic statements in that chapter. There's some some good parts in there to families. Again, problematic statements. It was written in 1939. In 1939, we didn't even know about trauma. We weren't even learning mm -hmm. about PTSD. Mm -hmm. That didn't come for another 40 plus years. Mm -hmm. So the big book is not perfect in that regard. And it is very much about uh, getting, getting the addict to a place of... Um, not continuing to to make things worse, but it's not necessarily about getting them to a place of making things better. A major pitfall is 12 steps typically go off of the codependent model. And the codependent model, if you read the book by the woman who I think coined that term, I think her name is Melody Beatty. Anyway, she has a new book out called The New Codependency. And in it, it's it's basically, are you doing the right thing for the wrong reason is what it looks like for relationships. And then it's kind of a moment by moment test. You know, your wife wanting to keep the relationship together, is it just a natural good thing to do? Yes, typically. And is it something that she's doing because you said you wanted the same thing? Are there small children involved? Are there young children involved that don't necessarily want to go through a split of their parents? It's good for parents to stay together. It's good for couples to stay together. It's good for them to do the hard work of denying themselves external pleasure in order to find that pleasure together. 
not necessarily an addiction, not necessarily a relationship addiction, not necessarily codependency. In fact, the women who come to me, very few of them ever have an actual codependent addiction or, or codependency there. The unfortunate thing is nobody really can pinpoint what exactly codependency is. It basically started off saying, if I were codependent, according to the old definition of it, I would need Jay to be addicted in order to give me something to do, in order to, to allow me to fix him. That's different than what your spouse is probably trying to do. But all in all, whatever codependency is or isn't, understand the codependency model does not work for trauma. In fact, it can definitely make things worse. So be careful about the codependent model and applying um, those type of principles to a traumatized spouse. Jay talked earlier about the difference between sponsors and accountability partners. There's also a difference uh, between those and mentoring. A mentor has gone through it. A mentor has gotten to where you want to be. Like we said before, sponsors may not have great relationships. So if you want to get to a good relationship, if you want to heal your relationship, if you want to rebuild the trust, then find somebody who's done that, who knows how to do it, who can help you through it, um, and who's good at it. And on that end, I want to suggest my husband's group. He started a new type of group called a deep dive group. And he also does uh, single sessions and other types of groups. Right. Yeah. So I do a, a weekly big group that's sort of like a 12-step group, not entirely. And the deep dive group is about connecting with other men, uh, which, you know, the more vulnerable we can get, the the healthier we get. Uh, vulnerability plus acceptance is the antidote to shame. Um, and I want to I want to put in a plug for Lori's groups because Lori does have uh, a group that meets on a regular basis. Knowing that there are other women who are struggling and who are going through this, you can see hope. You can see mm -hmm. that there are other people getting through this. Maybe their struggle isn't the same. Maybe there's there's a little bit different things going on. But when you can see that hope, it's easy to go away from the group going, okay, I can try again, I can try something new, versus not having support and continuing to think it's just never going to get any better. Right. Healing does happen in relationship. And when you don't necessarily have that close relationship with your husband, it is good, really good, to expand your support network. Also, if a group isn't your thing, then consider reaching out for single sessions because we do those as well. Right. So this episode wraps up season three. Thank you so much for sticking it out with us. It felt like a long, <laughs> a long season. It felt like longer than 17 episodes. Yeah, yeah but um, yeah, there's a lot of good stuff in there. We Our episodes all went a little bit longer than a cup of coffee, I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, I have an idea rolling around about uh, doing some Q&A. So if you're interested in that, stay tuned and we might be answering your questions. We look forward to seeing you in the next season. Bye, y'all. Bye.